0: was our fault in the first place for having the wrong view of what we were capable of and not recognizing the correct view of how God is infinitely capable of doing all things in our life if we let him. I woke up this morning and my entire body had turned to corn. Yeah, like my whole body. So if anyone has any suggestions, I'm all ears. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 197. Hope you enjoy the dad joke there. That's how we start every episode. And if it's your first time listening, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. If you haven't done that in a while, you're also welcome to do that again. And please head over to our website to find all of our content, manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com. While you're there, you can click on the subscribe button to get our weekly psalm reflection right into your inbox every Wednesday morning before anyone else sees it. And then you can also click, if you feel so inclined, on the give button, which can uh, lead you to a place where you can uh, contribute financially to the cost of this podcast. It does cost money to host. And thank you so much to all of you who uh, are sponsoring this, who pledge your support. Are our uh, regular listeners, and for all of you who are here for the first time, I hope this blesses you. Uh, the highest compliment you can pay me in this podcast is to share it with your family and friends, and if you do so on social media, make sure you tag us, at Man of Food for Thought on Instagram in particular, uh, but word of mouth is the best way that this spreads, so if you think someone might benefit from it, please share it with them. Let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. So, my joy is that um, my wife just got to celebrate um, our her our baby shower with a lot of her friends and family. <clears throat> This past weekend, I would have been there too, but I had a, a spiritual direction formation class. I would have much rather been at the baby shower, but nonetheless, uh, just a lot of gratitude for all the love that was poured out and all the the wonderful people we know in the community that we have. And a huge joy is that today I finally got the finalization for like numbers and edits and etc. for um, the pilgrimage to Italy um, that my pastor and I are leading together. So if you'd like to come to Italy with us. Uh, September 30th uh, through October 12th of this year and see some incredible uh, Catholic places, uh, hit me up and let me know and I will send you the the detailed info. So uh, that's really joyful and awesome. Uh, the junk has been uh, a lot of work fell into my lap uh, today and a lot of unexpected things that I needed to do. So I was hoping to uh, head home a little earlier today and, you know, spend some more time at home with the family and the kids, but that just didn't work out today. So um, yeah, just some stuff that really did, fell on my plate that needed to get done, especially as I'm trying to get stuff off my plate before baby comes. Um, I couldn't leave, uh, this thing lingering. So anyway, but my Jesus moment was yesterday. I went to spiritual direction, highly recommend getting a spiritual director if you do not have one, cause it really helps kind of center you and allow you to, um, yeah, just, uh, have some sense of kind of purpose and uh, direction in your spiritual life, um, One other thing I wanted to add is that uh, this past weekend, uh, I had a father-daughter dance with my daughter at her school, the second one that I've been able to go to with her, and it was a blast. Love hanging out with my daughter, and she is a party animal at these dances, let me tell you, so it was awesome. So that's uh, all for my Joy, Junk, and Jesus. I would love to hear what's going on in your life. Please uh, just connect with me. Send that info my way. Reach out. Love to get to know you. But let's get into our second reading for this upcoming Sunday. Uh, this is the third Sunday in ordinary time. We always focus on the second reading because as you listen to the podcast, you'll know that we focus on the gospel and sometimes incorporate the first reading, uh, at our Monday night Bible study recording. And then I send out that weekly Psalm reflection based on the responsorial Psalm. So if you consume all the content that we put out here, you'll be really fully prepared for, uh, the liturgy every Sunday. So that's the goal. So this Sunday's second reading is first Corinthians chapter seven verses 29 to 31. It's a short passage. Uh, But it can be a confusing one. So as we read this, uh, keep in mind that uh, Paul is writing to this community in Corinth uh, very soon after Jesus has resurrected from the dead, uh, you know, a, a decade or two after thinking that Jesus's return was imminent. Okay, so keep that in mind as you hear this. So this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, I tell you, brothers and sisters, the time is running out. From now on, let those having wives act as not having them, those weeping as not weeping, those rejoicing as not rejoicing, those buying as not owning, those using the world as not using it fully, for the world in its present form is passing away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Paul thought that Jesus was going to return within the same generation. And so he's giving these advice to people, like, be expectant of the fact that this world as you know it is going to pass away soon. Now, uh, was Paul mistaken? Yes, in one sense he's mistaken, but in another sense his words are true and prophetic that the Holy Spirit was guiding him because when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your life and into your heart through baptism, uh, the world in its present form does pass away. And he is giving an adequate depiction of what is going to happen at the end of our lives and at the end of time. Um But is Paul saying here that you can just leave marriages or do away with your spouse or your responsibilities because the end is coming? No, of course not. He's reminding those in Corinth to detach, to let go of what is anchoring them here in this world and what they might be panicked about losing. And he's saying, act already like it's gone, like prepare yourself for heaven. Hold on to what you have with a relaxed grasp. Like don't be so clinging to the things of this earth that they keep you from eternal life because all things will pass away. And brothers and sisters, like the the church's teaching on purgatory uh, is is not nearly as expansive as a lot of people who misconstrue purgatory think it is, but it really is a place of purgation to rid you of the effects of sin and the effects of attachments on earth so that you are purified and ready to enter heaven undefiled and completely surrendering uh, to the Lord and trusting in him. And so I think purgatory is going to have a lot more to do with attachments than it is with sins, because we really have a way to to concretely kind of mitigate sin, you know, on earth confession. And then, you know, works of mercy, prayer, fasting, you know, we we have more of a concretized way, I think, to view sin, sometimes to our detriment. We can get a little too scrupulous about it as well. But attachments are a whole lot harder, a whole lot more difficult to define and wrap our heads around or even realize that we're struggling with. At this time, and still today, but at this time in Corinth, there were many earthly things people would have been attached to, uh, like pleasure, food, drink, money, which there's a lot of money to be made in the wealthy uh, port and trade city uh, like Corinth. Uh, They had a lot of uh, cult prostitution there and worship. They had a lot of uh, gluttonous dinners that were associated with the sacrifices in those temples uh, after they would engage in those acts. And so it was a very um, sin-riddled place. And so even people leaving that kind of lifestyle and becoming Christian, some of those attachments remain, you know, um, you may have experienced this that way, you know, sometimes if you're like, okay, well, I'm going to give up, uh, I don't know, I'm going to give up smoking. And if you give up smoking, then all of a sudden you take on something else to replace that habit that isn't that much better. You know, maybe you start eating a whole lot more, uh, in a not healthy or constructive ways, or you start kind of medicating your feelings in some way to try and mitigate this desire you have. And you're not looking at the attachment and the underlying motivation, and you're just trying to put a Band-Aid on something or stop doing uh, you know, one thing that you deem as wrong, and you end up just turning to something else uh, unhelpful or even destructive um, in, in the next move. So attachments are really hard to kind of get our heads around. And this, I think, was something that Paul knew well that the church in Corinth was dealing with, being surrounded by this, that just because you became a Christian doesn't mean maybe these attachments that you had developed weren't manifesting in... Uh, not helpful ways in the Christian church either. And so we have to kind of glean from that the reality that we also have a lot of earthly attachments. We have things that can distract us uh, from what matters most. In Isaiah chapter 65 verse 17, um, it says, See, I am creating a new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered nor come to mind. This prophecy of Isaiah, it's it's reiterated at the very end of the Bible in Revelation 21, where a new heaven and a new earth are created in the vision that is given to John. It's a promise or a prophecy that's made of like, this will happen in the end. Jesus himself says this in Matthew 24. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. What I offer you is eternal. Heaven and earth as you know it now will no longer be. There will now be a connected, a, a, a transformed, a renewed earth and heaven by nature of then being connected to earth, no longer separation by sin, will also be renewed. And in Revelation 21, 4, in that same passage about a new heaven and a new earth, it says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death or mourning, wailing or pain, for the old order has passed away. All these attachments, all of these things that we cannot bring into heaven with us, um, need to be removed, whether it's in this life or in purgatory, but they need to be removed because if we're able to receive freely from God, then we have to be completely open. We have to have empty hands that he will abundantly fill. And sometimes we grasp too hard to control. What's getting in the way of that happening in your life now, of you being completely trusting and surrendering to the Lord? What are you holding on to? You know, this reminds me in particular of a passage in Matthew chapter 8, about the would-be followers of Jesus. And, you know, a crowd comes around Jesus and um, he gives orders to cross to the other side. And a scribe approaches him and says, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And then another disciple says to Jesus, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But Jesus says to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. And sometimes we interpret that as like, wow, Jesus is being pretty harsh. But what he's saying here is like, if you want to follow me, you need to be willing to trust that all these other things will take care of themselves and recognize that following me is not going to be a walk in the park or a picnic. And you're going to have to give up things and let go of things that you are attached to in order to completely trust in what the Lord has in store for you. God is saying to you in your life right now, brothers and sisters, can you trust that I will take care of those things and that my hand is already Guiding them. Do you trust in my faithfulness that's been demonstrated time and time again in the stories that you hear of sacred scripture, in the ways in your life already that I've showed up? Can you trust enough to let go of control? Because how we are with God, I was thinking of this analogy. How we are with God is this is how ridiculous we are toward God. You know, when stuff goes wrong in our life or we we fail to trust, we try and grab this, this, uh, this the driving, you know, the what is it called, the steering wheel. And, and take control. And we start to focus on, on us, 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 what I can do. And then we ask God to help us do the things that we want to do in our life instead of relying on him. And the equivalent fit, like image that I thought of is imagine you're on an airplane and all of a sudden there's a little turbulence and you're nervous about that turbulence. And so you rush forward, you elbow past the stewardesses, you kick down the door of the cockpit and you put your hand on the wheel and try and stabilize this plane while you have no knowledge of how to operate a plane at all. That, brothers and sisters, is what we do all the time when we fail to trust in the Lord. We do that constantly when we fail to trust in the Lord fail to trust in his forgiveness and his guidance and his plan, think that we can do better or that we know better, that we're beyond his forgiveness in any way we fail to trust. That is what we are doing. I've been talking about this a lot. I can't remember if I mentioned it on one of these episodes or not, but I I read recently a passage of St. Faustina talking about, uh, in her visions and conversations with Jesus, she said or wrote something to the effect of, the thing that breaks Jesus' heart the most is souls who do not trust in his mercy. It's not a sin, it's not consistent mortal sin, addiction, all of these things that people struggle with and think are these terrible things, you know, yes, they separate us from God, and yes, we need to address them, but the thing that breaks the Lord's heart the most is when we fail to trust in his mercy. Because we are essentially saying, I can handle this, Lord. I can save myself and we dishonor what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we fail to let it apply to us, and it goes unclaimed, unreceived, that great gift of salvation that he suffered for and won for each one of us. We think that maybe we can save ourselves in a better way. We think that maybe we have the intellect to do better, to think better, to navigate our problems more expertly than Jesus can. And so as you hear this passage this week, I I don't get distracted by some of the language of like, oh, my gosh, this is pretty harsh. And, you know, what's what's Paul saying here? Can you just like throw, you know, everything to the wind and just act however? No, he's saying think of the things that you are attached to. Think of the ways that you live your life that you rely upon and recognize everything will change one day when we enter into eternal life. And even in moments in this life, sometimes at the drop of a hat, everything can change. And the more and more we are grasping control onto the way things are for our happiness and satisfaction, the more desperate and insecure we will become at the sight of any change, struggle, or difficulty whatsoever. And often we mistakenly deflect that upon God and we blame him when in reality it was our fault in the first place for having the wrong view of what we were capable of and not recognizing the correct view of how God is infinitely capable of doing all things in our life if we let Him. And so I pray, brothers and sisters, that you and I this week, as we hear these readings, as we hear this this particular reading proclaimed on Sunday, can be thinking of the things that separate us from God, thinking of the attachments and the desires to control that pervade our lives so that we can begin to let go, to loosen our grasp, to allow Him to be in charge. Yes, to still be responsible and faithful, to not just sit around lazily and do nothing, but recognize He ultimately is the one who, is, who needs to be in control and who knows who knows the course that our life can take, for better or for worse. And if we follow Him, He will always lead us to our deepest fulfillment and satisfaction. It's just a matter of time. It may not come immediately or in the way that we think, but it will come do we trust? Because if we don't trust, we can believe that Jesus is God. We can believe all of the things in the Bible, but that doesn't make us any different from the devil himself or his demons. They all know that too. They all know that Jesus is God. They all know the things that he did. What they fail to do is trust and surrender and become obedient under the will of God. Let us not make the same mistake, brothers and sisters. Trust. Trust in God's faithfulness. That is all I have for you this week, my brothers and sisters. Pray for me as I pray for you. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless.